Hello, Husky Nation. Welcome to Dog Thoughts Radio. I'm Mike Martin. And today we have Brett Sionsa. If you're not familiar with his work, you're probably familiar with the name Pick 6 Preview. Uh, Brett has been doing uh, some really kind of nerdly stuff that a lot of Husky fans like to really kind of get into and really kind of look at the nuts and bolts uh, in his predictions for the season. He's been uh, noted as the most accurate one since – when was that, Brett, when they started uh, really kind of – uh, taking notice of you. Yeah, so uh, we launched Pick 6 Previews in 2012, and um, over the first eight seasons, our predictions have been graded the most accurate Power 5 and BCS back then uh, predictions, and that's by Stassen.com, who grades all the publications, has been grading them for, you know, 30 years. So uh, a hot start there with accuracy-wise. Uh, but last year, 2019, was when I really took it to another level. I'd, I put out my first uh, annual season preview book, and uh, it was all 65 Power 5 teams, uh, you know, stack graphics, advanced stats, um, but putting it back into readable terms and making it, you know, a readable copy uh, compared to some of the other magazines out there. So uh, perfect balance between uh, numbers, advanced stats, but then also the stories. So, um, and where you know, I think and, uh, where I've always appreciated what you do is that you don't spend uh, of your uh, let's say 5,000 words, you don't spend 4,500 of it talking about the previous year. You look at the previous year, but you also really kind of dive into your prediction for the upcoming season. And that, I think, is where your readers will really get more bang for the buck because they want to, we already know what happened. Um, that doesn't mean we don't want to, you know, use the, we, we're not going to use the past to predict the future, but uh you know, for for what you get, I think a lot of other publications spend way too much time uh, jibber jabbering about stuff that may not be relevant uh, in the yeah. season. Yeah, definitely. Uh, thanks for the praise there. Um, uh, yeah, I think my book uh, stands out kind of as an outlier compared to the other you know legacy brands on newsstands. Um, I dig a lot deeper into in the program history too, like uh, program context. Uh, recruiting trends. I have my game grader formula, which we'll touch on. That's a kind of a statistical measure of, you know, uh, how a team is performing. I have these 10 year coordinator trends to see how each coordinator is fair to each school. And it's kind of interesting to see their impact. Um, I guess the theme of my book would be putting all these uh, buzzwords and narratives that you always hear on talk shows about stuff like, you know, Oh, he develops players well, or, Oh, you know, they're, they're good as underdogs, that kind of, putting a number onto all those kind of narratives and then bring it back into a readable form. Um, and that's, and, you know, and that's the sort of nuts and bolts that I really want to get into here with you. Um, but I want to take maybe, you know, I talked about not spending too much time on the past, but my first question really is uh, to the past and the history of coordinators. And let's take a, a look back at LSU last year. Um, where did you have them in, in your preview? I had them six last year. Uh, so I didn't have them making the playoff. Um, for what it's worth, I was the only publication to not have Alabama. I, uh, everyone had Alabama. That was the chalk last year. I went without Alabama. I thought it would be Georgia that rose out of the SEC. Um, ended up missing there. It ended up being an all-time – I call it a, a one-year wonder, a one-season wonder with uh, LSU where – uh, they've always had the blue chip talent. They've always had those top five recruiting classes and NFL receivers. But this this perfect combination of uh, Joe Brady, of course, everyone knows him by now. He was the uh, the Saints coordinator, pa uh, pass game coordinator, came into the 
uh, into the SEC and uh, fixed that offense overnight. And they had a transfer quarterback, Joe Burrow, who, you know, you know, went from back up at Ohio State to one of the best the sport's ever seen. So everything really came together. And just as quickly as it meshed, it's all gone now where the coordinators are gone. Dave Aranda took over at Baylor. Uh, Brady's back in the pros. 14 of those starters are now playing on Sundays. Um, and then you have the rest of the SEC West to deal with. So I don't and see now, them bouncing. Yeah. And now to, to kind of relate that to Washington, because they, uh, they have a couple of transfer quarterbacks. They're not Joe Burrow. I'm not going to pretend that they are. They have uh, Vanderbilt. When Vanderbilt was on the rise, they have their offensive coordinator who went to Penn State and Penn State was bad, and that was by design. I've spoken with people back there, and, and, and he had one scholarship quarterback, uh, excuse me, lineman to, to protect an immobile quarterback. So it was a disaster there. But uh, Washington has John Donovan. Is, is there any history beyond LSU last year to sort of say, give Washington Husky fans any hope that a new scheme, a uh, new offense coordinator can pull a second rabbit out of a hat? Absolutely. I mean, uh, there are a couple examples right there on the West Coast. Um, the, the one that pops right out from last year would be Graham Harrell at USC. Um, and I had a, had a chance to talk with him this preseason. So, so part of my book is I get to talk to head coaches, coordinators all over the country. Uh, Graham Harrell was a great convo. Um, he talked about it overnight. He came in really last preseason uh, and installed this thing. It's kind of what they ran at Texas Tech, uh, air raid concepts uh, on the outsides and then some downhill running in the middle. But um, they, they, they pulled it off with a true freshman quarterback, Keaton Slovis. Uh, talking about it, it was a third stringer coming into the year. Both starters ahead of him got knocked out, and he really took the reins of that offense. And that's something, you know, that, that's a pretty complex offense to install that quickly, but you saw it in one year. So there, there are examples outside of LSU. Um, okay, so being, Washington. Uh, Utah. Uh, uh, real, Washington. real quick, another one with Utah, which probably fits the, the um, you know, the talent profile, maybe a little bit closer to Washington on offense. Um, you know, I, because because what Utah installed last year with Ludwig wasn't really an air raid like USC. It was more traditional. I think that's what uh, Donovan wants to go with, uh, kind of a pro style. He has some NFL roots now behind him. So I think that's another good example of a one-year turn, turnaround. Okay, are you there still? Yeah. Okay, I'm not sure what happened. Um, anyway, um, let's see. So, well, there, so there are a few examples. Um, Washington – uh, returns a a large portion of their defense. Um, I, I I think that just with Washington's defense alone, you have the linebackers, the defensive backs, both seventh in the country. You have the defensive line, I think twelfth in the country. Uh, overall, one I think is the top ten. I think with a defense like that, they win ten. Uh, excuse me, seven games on their own. Do you think that Washington has the talent? to produce uh, 10 wins. Absolutely. Uh, no, they're definitely uh, in the discussions for a double-digit win season there. Um, at, at the top, we talked a little bit about, about recruiting. It definitely matters. Um, I think you start there. Um, yeah, so can the recruiting services miss on a guy here and there? Of course, it happens all the time. But I think when you start to stack at 20 or 25 players in a class and then four or five years of that, so 85 to 100 uh, recruits, I think they're more right than wrong in the aggregate. So and what you're seeing at Washington is um, really a recruiting surge the last three years. Uh, it's their three highest classes, I think, in school history. I know at least since 2000, that's what I've been tracking. 
Um, so you have, you're filling those vacancies now with even higher raw talent. And another thing you touched on was that player development that I, that I measure. And uh, what that does is compare the raw recruiting rankings to the NFL output. And who better than what, uh, than what Jimmy Lake and Pete Kwiatkowski have done on defense. You know, I, I shared this clip on Twitter. It's, um, I think it was two NFL drafts ago. It was Kuiper and, and, his, and his crew there. They were joking about how, wow, is every single Washington DB going to get drafted this year? And, and pretty much, yeah, that's, that's the case. It's, uh, it's quite a pipeline, especially in the secondary, but all over that defense. So, uh, you know, a long-winded answer of saying, yeah, the defense is going to be incredible again. They have the track record. They have the star power. It's a matter of if the offense can really unlock a new element. Um, you know, it, it just seemed like every yard they gained last year was kind of a battle. It was kind of like they were – kind of, you know, running uphill. Uh, I think that they have the playmakers there, but a scheme change is definitely needed and I think will unlock some talent. Uh, you saw what Jonathan Smith did here uh, three years ago and four years ago. Uh, you know, part of that was with, uh, with John Ross there, the speedster at receiver, but it was the same quarterback um, with Jake Browning that succeeded in 16 and 17 and then took that step back in 18 after a coordinator change. So the same could happen the reverse way, uh, bringing in a coordinator, a new scheme, and unlocking some of this four-star and five-star talent that's definitely there. It's just uh, a matter of executing. And is it going to come down to, because a lot of the four- and five-star talent is at receiver, is at running back, is on the offensive line. Um, do you think that the talent is there to meet the scheme change on offense? Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to predict who's going to win that quarterback battle. I think that's that's obviously very important. And, um, you know, three three competitive candidates there with Jacob Sermon, Dylan Morris, um, and Ethan Garbers they're coming in as a true freshman after leading a state title run. So, you know, you have three guys that are capable. It's a matter of who's going to shine there in fall camp. Another thing that did, uh, you know, that, that was a bit scary in this regard was no offseason, no spring ball to, uh, to install an offense and, and maybe settle a, a three-man quarterback battle. I mean, that's huge. Um, coming back this year, Washington is one of the least experienced offense, offensive units in the country. So normally you look to that spring ball season to be major for development. Um, and especially uh, installing a new scheme. So, so yeah, but on the outsides, yeah, the talent's there. Uh, Puka Nakua stands out right away. Um, I remember he was a blue tripper um, and, you know, and, and shined at moments last year, but need to get these guys the ball more in space. So, yeah, I, I think it could definitely click. Also, considering that it's kind of a down year outside of Oregon and Washington in the North Division, um, you know, Stanford is not the Stanford you picture five, six years ago. Washington State also going through a coaching change with, with Leach gone. Not that that was ever an issue for Lake's defense, but uh, they're out of there. Um, and, yeah, so I, I think that that's good enough to, to contend for that 9-10 win range. And, hey, if the, if the offense clicks, it could be higher. And that's really kind of where I see it uh, because I think that the potential is there. Uh, it's been undeveloped. And I re like you said, the spring would have been huge. Uh, but getting Ty Jones back and healthy, getting Puka Nakua healthy, having a true uh, number one receiver that takes the pressure off or puts the pressure on the defensive backs, takes the pressure off of the receivers, and really finding a way to utilize all parts of the field. Last year, Jacob Eason just fired bullets at at the at the receivers and that really kind of cost them. Do you have anything where you do sort of a, a look at uh, the high quality throws versus explosive plays and things like that? 
Uh, yeah, I do track explosive plays, both pass and, and rush. Um, I could tell you explosively in the rush game, Washington was really, really low, 110th in the country out of 130. So really can improve on some explosive running. But the, the two go hand in hand because, you know, if there's no threat of an explosive pass game, they're just going to crowd the box and then shut down that run game too. So the, the two elements go hand in hand there. Uh, playmaking ability is definitely there. It's raw, it's young, uh, but it's definitely there on the outsides. Um, like I said, it's just a matter of, of fixing that, uh, uh, you know, the, some of the offensive line there, but mostly it's just the scheme. Um, it just seemed like it was slow and, uh, and I don't know how else to put it, but kind of like every, you know, a, it'd be a tough play and they'd really grind it out and you'd look up and they'd only gain three yards. And you're like, oh man, that was a lot of effort for three yards. Meanwhile, some other offensive schemes uh, are, are more chunk plays, 20 yards, 30 yards. Um, and that's not to fault the players. I think that this is a very, very talented uh, offense in terms of player personnel. I think it's just got to be unlocked like we saw at LSU. So that is a great comparison. I'm, I'm glad you brought that in. Uh, I'm not calling for the second coming of Joe Burrow in that system, but I do think that there's reason of optimism to make a jump here. And it seemed like one play on offense was that difference. And I think that you do have that receiving threat that uh, they aren't going to load the box on. They're going to have to double team, take somebody uh, from an, another receiver, or and you can, uh, you know, dump something underneath. You know, things like that, uh, I think, is when there was there were one play away in so many of the games that it was just – and it's it's been that way for 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 you know the last couple of years. It just seems like they were they would finish the game, uh, you know, three points down, but they'd have to claw their way back. And if they just executed earlier in the game, but that defense that that um, is so good for Washington, you have three Huskies on your All American teams. Uh, Elijah Molden is first team. Uh, Levi Onzerike is second. Joe Tryon is on your fourth. Most people, even the ones that are living under rocks, they know who Molden is. They know who Onzerike. Uh, what is it about Joe Tryon that has you up so high? What is what is his game showing you? Because I'd like to see a full season from him. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Those are my two, uh, you know, highly rated All-American candidates there. But Joe Tryon, might, probably a surprise to most, uh, coming in on my fourth team All-American. Uh, and what that is really is I was actually up in Seattle. I uh, made my first trip up there for the Utah versus Washington game. Um, and out of nowhere was this breakout star, this Joe Tryon, uh, you know, rushing off the edge. I think he had two sacks that day, uh, you know, forced a lot of hurries. Um, hurried throws there and was disruptive all game. And I just remember that sticking in my head. Uh, and I thought, all right, I got to take a deeper look at this guy. So, and then what also goes into my book is a ton of film study uh, along with those coach calls. Um, but, but anyway, going back on the, on the film study, he was disruptive the whole second half of that year after that Utah game, after I saw him live, he followed that performance off. I think it was a PAC 12 defensive lineman of the week award against Oregon state. He was disruptive that game and then was all over the Washington State quarterback in the Apple Cup. So those three performances down the stretch really shine through for me. And, uh, and just the way that this, this, uh, this staff develops their, you know, their rush ends, uh, their outside backers, just the whole defense, you can kind of see that, that there was a glimpse of what's going to come next year and even take a step further. Um, okay. So I, I, li I like Joe Tryon on the national stage. 
And uh, one other name I'm going to throw at you that isn't on your list that I, I think um, you may see have seen him at his at the 40 FNU official. And he's an inside linebacker. Uh, literally in the last four games when Joe Tryon came alive, also coming alive were Washington linebackers when they finally decided to go with a youth movement. Um, do you have him anywhere on your radar yet? Uh, yeah, so I talked about him in the book. Um, you know, there's been some – there was definitely a drop-off after losing uh, Ben Burkirvan, and, I mean, that's, that's no one's fault. It's just losing a kind of a legend there. Um, but I have him slated to start inside backer. I think they're going to move him inside. Um, but, yeah, in total, this, uh, this all-pack 12 team is loaded with Huskies. Um, you know, like you said, Levi and, uh, and Elijah there on the All-American level, uh, Tryon, and then Ryan Bowman also. There's so many guys, Kyler Gordon. Um, and you know that secondary has three or four more guys that I probably left off there that are going to develop into NFLers. But, yeah, I, I think that's a good choice there at linebacker. And, um, and really, a, you know, if you want to go to a higher level here, it was a very, very young defense last year. I think it was the least experienced coming into 2019. And uh, they really shined through, uh, especially on the back half of the year, like you said. It kind of reminded me of that 2015 Washington unit uh, that was super young. And, uh, and despite the youth, finished number one in the league on defense. So, um, and you saw what happened the next year when all that youth returned as veterans in 2016. Obviously, that led to a playoff run. So, yeah, the core of this team is, def- uh, is on defense. It was young last year, and I think they're ready for breakthroughs. It's kind of it's name, uh, name your pick. They're all going to be up there. All right, good stuff. And uh, Brett, Sianza, thanks for coming on. How can people follow you, and how can they get your book? Because um, growing up, the book that I got was Phil Steele, and uh, you, you're taking the money that I to him. So uh, I really like what you do. How can people follow you? Yeah, thanks for the praise there. Thanks for checking out the book and having me on. I really appreciate that. Um, and it was uh, also a pleasure getting to meet a lot of Husky fans on my trip up there. Great city, great, great campus, the whole bit. So I was impressed. Um, and loud, too, I will say. That was loud there. Um, so, yeah, you can find the book. It's um, at Pick 6 Previews is the Twitter handle. I'm tweeting out links um, and samples and testimonials there. Uh, I actually picked up a, a real nice uh, testimonial a couple days ago from Chris Felica, the bear, on College Game Day. Uh, he calls it a must-read. So that was high praise. You can also pick it up at, at, um, at www.pick6previews.com. I have sample teams up there if you want to see the layout and the, and the set of infographics and the level of detail you're going to get on every team. So, uh, yeah, appreciate you having me on and uh, looking forward to chatting this season. Yeah, I, I hope to have you on for a couple of previews. Do you have a fun fact? I'm going to throw you under the bus if you don't have it ready. But do you have a fun fact? There's something you think Washington fans are going to be shocked that you uncovered in your preview. Oof. Uh, let's, um, let me see. Fun fact. Well, if you want to talk about the, yeah, about the game grader formula real quick, uh, some of the numbers behind the, the, the schemes here. Uh, Washington lost, what was it, one, two, three, four, five games last year, you know, eight and five, and still finished 17th overall in my game grader formula because, you know, not all losses are the same. I think you can look at a record. You don't really get the full story of a season. This team was really close, a one-point loss to Cal, four-point loss to Oregon, a score against Utah, and then a Colorado blunder. But this team was a lot better than that record showed. Uh, and my game grader formula factors in the scoring differential, the yardage differential, you know, all the per play metrics, 
so long story short, the fun fact would be they finished 17th despite, uh, you know, the five losses in conference. So, uh, and they're one of the highest, if not the highest five loss team from last year. So look for a big boost. Those win losses tend to correct, especially when the youth becomes veteran. So I think we're, uh, we're in for a uh, surge here by Washington next year. All right. Brett Sianta pick six previews at pick six previews on Twitter, pick six I'm Mike Martin for dog thoughts. Go dogs.